This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 193. Deanna Nunez on Waking Up Your Best. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Jason Lynette here with a conversation I've been wanting to capture on this program for quite some time. Uh, first getting a chance to meet Deanna Nunez at the Corporate Hypnotist Masterclass with Anthony Gailey, hanging out briefly when I was attending a marketing convention in San Diego, and once again catching up here on this uh, cold November morning, launching this podcast in December 2018. And Deanna is somebody who really began her career in hypnosis by jumping directly in, by setting up a performance at a military bar and just not looking back ever since. Just having that that hypnobug of just deciding I'm going to make this work and I'm going to figure it out as I go. Really being an inspirational story, especially to many of you who may be out there, sort of on that cusp, on that border of just getting started. The place where I'd meet so many people who are looking for that one more training to, to jump into the work, that one more piece of paper to hang on the wall, those extra cool letters to stick at the end of the name. And there is no, there is nothing that really replaces that quality training. We need that as the foundation. Yet the real fuel to all of this is getting out there and making it happen. And that's a big part of Deanna's story, as you'll quickly learn here as well. So jumping into the themes of how we think differently about our business, how we leverage the successes that we've already created, and how we scale up year after year after that. You can head over to her website, DeannaNunez.com. Links are in the show notes over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. I'd also encourage you to head over to a different website, specifically HypnosisTrainingInstitute.org. That's the easiest place you can go to check out all the details for the 2019 HPTI Winter Hypnosis Convention in Las Vegas. It's happening Monday through Wednesday, February 25th through the 27th. There's about 27 speakers who are going to be at this phenomenal event. Day one is just Richard Nongard and I speaking together on scaling up your business. How do you think bigger? How do you go after premium clients? How do you really build those programs that really build that financial freedom and help your clients even more? The next two days are phenomenal speakers from all around the world. Again, the easiest place you can go to register now for that winter conference is just simply by going to hypnosistraininginstitute.org and that'll link you right over to the 2019 HP. PTI Winter Hypnosis Convention in Las Vegas. And with that, let's jump directly into this amazing conversation. Be sure to also head over to Deanna's website and get her go-getter checklist, which you can see right there on the homepage of the site. Here we go. This is session number 193, Deanna Nunez on Waking Up Your Best. I think you just read it, uh, liking my article. Uh, so my point of entry with hypnosis was absolutely the military. So the, the U S Marine Corps in San Diego and, uh, just working with them. I, I knew that I wanted to do entertainment shows and I, I knew that I could get out there in front of an audience, but I didn't know where to start. And much of the conversation with the people in the new in the business said, I'll go to, they all said, go to a comedy club and kind of get your feet wet, start you know, getting in some shows so that you know what you're doing and expect to not get paid. And I thought to myself, well, 
I feel like I know what I'm doing and I want to just go practice it and get paid while I'm doing it. So <laughs> the, uh, the military is where I started and I just, I went on, um, on base and started meeting with people and networking and finding bar managers that would hire me. And that's how it all got started. Though to rewind it back, was the interest first just to be on stage or was it to be on stage doing the hypnosis program? To be on stage doing the hypnosis program. Absolutely. Mm. I never, yeah. I never even thought about doing anything else. It was hypnosis became my thing. And, uh, you know, when I was a little girl, I used to always do some type of performance, but I, I never pursued dance or singing or theater or anything like that. And hypnosis became my presentation. So, uh, you know, I think it's a really fun way to uh, express creativity and theatrics, as well as obviously my main point, which is to really get across the power of the mind and how I just love inspiring people that they could do anything that they put their mind to. Even so though it's so cliche. <laughs> <laughs> so to rewind it back, though, what was that first entry point for you to at least discover the hypnosis? Oh, to discover hypnosis in the first place. Well, uh, it, it started with a blind date. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, uh, I was single and set up with a friend of a friend, and he was a hypnotist. And he was a performing hypnotist. And so I went to his show at Six Flags Theme Park and became Madonna in his show and uh, started dating him thereafter, which I don't think he actually hypnotized me that I would date him. Um, hopefully that was not a hypnotic suggestion uh, that I didn't realize. But <laughs> we did become fast friends and started dating. And I dated him for two years and really saw the industry and how fun it is and all of the opportunity that was available. And I saw that there was not many women doing it. And so it became something that I just couldn't shake. It was uh, it was not anything that I did on purpose uh, to become a, you know, career focused, but it just, I couldn't shake the, the um, intrigue that I had gained from having those experiences with him. So I decided to go back to go to school and become certified and, and just start combining all these skill sets and putting them together and kind of learning in action, uh, yeah. putting together my own show. Well, what I love about that is I, I keep coming back to the quote from Lauren Michaels of Saturday Night Live that whether the show is ready or not, we go live at 1130. So I to look that. at, yeah, so to look at that experience of what would you say that was a skill of yours or at least a perception of yours that made it so, I mean, you were stepping on stage, getting paid, doing it for the first time at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So I, you know, I, I had what I think when I look back at it, it's false confidence. You know, I had this uh, vision that I could get up there and do it, but then doing it is another thing. Uh, so, so it was a matter of, you know, honestly just stepping in. And it's, it's the as if principle that I teach today, where you have the vision and you just step into the vision. Well, what does the vision act like? What does she say? What does she think? How does she behave? Um, how does she step into her power in the vision? And so it was a matter of, you know, stepping in as if I already knew how to do all those things. And then you learn as you go. Um, but really just starting from the get-go um, in the vision of, of uh, doing it. And, you know, when I think back to those days, I thank goodness there's not film. I, <laughs> somebody has some film. Somebody has it. Um, but, you know, I'm sure it wasn't that great, but totally pulls it off and pulls it off in front of the right audience. I think that 
you know, had I done what the advice that was given, which, you know, go and die at bars, uh, you know, think about what your audience is. A lot of people that are drinking and you're going to get heckled and all of those things. So I think I did avoid uh, some of the backlash that you experience mm-hmm. when you're a newbie um, by being in front of the right audience. Yeah. What was it about the military audience that drew you to that as, as that entry point? Well, you know, it's funny. I, when I was a teenager, I used to have Marilyn Monroe all over my ceiling and walls. I just, I, I idolized her and I had this one uh, picture of her overseas somewhere. And I, and it's a famous picture. I'm sure a lot of people can envision it where it's in black and white and she's on the stage and there's just all of this, you know, this sea of uh, soldiers. And I just pictured myself showing up and, you know, it's, inter- it's about entertainment as well as uh, just camaraderie, being there for them, looking them in the eye, shaking their hands, um, saying thank you, you know, just really ap- giving them appreciation. And so through the show, I, I just felt like my job was to um, come in and maybe be a little bit sexy, but also just really funny. I've always loved Carol Burnett. And so that was my take from the beginning was to have that flavor and style where you could be a little bit suggestive, but also just really funny and witty and um, allow, allow them to, to bring their inner funny out in the show. So very much, you know, as a hypnotist, stage hypnotist, we're not always funny, but we can rely on our people being funny in the show. So uh, I think that, you know, with that, with that outlook and that mindset, uh, we just were able to create success right from the beginning. Yeah. And then staying afterwards and signing posters. I mean, I think there's something about that experience uh, where I'm, I'm the woman and there was mostly men. I mean, it was like 99% men. Uh, and at the time, that just worked. And I signed posters after the shows, and that just really got me going. And um, military people travel. And so they would be on one base, you know, for a few months, and they travel to another. Would then when they travel, they'd say, "You need to bring that hypno chick." And that was my brand at the time. You need to bring the hypno chick to our base. And so before I knew it, I was traveling to bases all across America and doing like mini tours with the Marines. And then they started sending me overseas. So you know, I kind of felt like they were going to be a stepping off point, and then I would move on. But I never, you know, I always would come back and do more shows for them. So we've been doing that for 20 years. It's yeah. been amazing. So then where did that, uh, what else did that lead into for you? What other, what other markets did you find that interest in working? Yeah, so I, as I got more experience, I became very focused on the fares uh, and, and corporate market. So working with agents, I feel like that was a uh, step, another stepping stone that really helped was working with several agents in their, um, you know, chosen industry. So in the fair market, I started doing county fairs. And as we all know, as hypnotists, we can just kill it at county fairs uh, where you really become the headlining entertainment. And I think that fairs helped me get really good at, at developing the skill of stage hypnosis because you have to do show after show after show. And it's amazing because, you know, if you have a, a show that's not so great, well, you get to redeem yourself two hours later. And yes. show. <laughs> so, you know, you have that constant uh, just habit of, of fine tuning your skill set. And so working with agents in the industry positioned me. Uh, and I think having just really good promotional materials and um, just doing everything first class right from the get go. And again, you know what? It's that, again, that false confidence, just stepping in as if I know what I'm doing uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, or attracting the right people. And the agent was able to, 
position me in places that I wouldn't have been able to position myself in the beginning. So, you know, getting that momentum where you just fill up your calendar is a really good thing so that you're making money and you're also increasing your uh, performance skills at the same time. So I think agents are key. But then we also got on the phone ourselves. I feel like so many of us as business people, we don't want to get on the phone. We just want to do what we do. And, uh, but I think getting on the phone and making those personal connections is so key. Um, being willing to put the time in to making those sales calls is really important. What I love about this so far is that balance that, you know, doing the work to actually make it happen, which everything we're talking about can easily translate over to the people in the community that are, you know, working in an office, seeing clients on a one-to-one basis, that mm-hmm. acceptance that, you know, the the one thing that's going to get that skill in place is getting out there and doing the work, um, getting out there and actually, you know, doing the program, doing the presentation, seeing the clients and there's no, you know, as much as we can put out books and courses and, you know, whatever the materials are, it's the actual skills of getting out there and doing it. Um, I have to ask, is there some sort of story that stands out of overcoming something or a challenge that presented during a, during a program that, you know, you, you had to think on the fly to find your way out of to resolve it? Oh my gosh, that's constant. I know, yeah. <laughs> that's constant. <laughs> Which right? one? So I would say, I mean, it, oh my gosh. And I think about from the beginning days of doing all of the performances. Uh, and then I really wanted to be able to promote my own seminars after my fair shows. And so many hypnotists have done adult shows. They're sort of notorious for doing that after uh, fairs because you have that free marketing. Every day you have huge audiences and you can market your own. Uh, you know, seminar or performance after the fair is over. And for me, I always, I, I have not really wanted to step into doing adult material ever. It's not my thing. And so I always love personal development. So I promoted stop smoking seminars and weight loss seminars. And so when I think about just the, the fear that comes up when you, when you decide, well, I'm going to do this. And then you have to get sort of over your own uh, self-doubt and your own fears of, well, what if it doesn't happen? And what if I don't do it right? You just keep moving forward and you figure out how to get smarter about your marketing and looking at your numbers, looking at where, where you are getting the best results. Um, stepping into, I think about so many things overcoming it, doing live radio to promote seminars, doing live news segments to promote shows and seminars. And that scared the heck out of me. And I, I think that's probably one of the things that's been a feather in my cap is I don't mind doing things scared. Um, I think I, I'm very attracted to fearlessness, but that doesn't mean that I'm fearless. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, doing things, even though you're scared is, has been my way. Um, but you know what? I got to tell you, when I hear what you're saying about like being willing to just get in action, nothing taught me that more than running marathons. And yes. I know it's like a completely sidetrack from, no, I love it. Business, yeah. You know, of, of what we're doing here as a hypnotist, but the the marathons, I, I'm always a big vision girl, but I have found myself where I, I might have a big vision, but then I fall short, you know, based on, well, can I do it? You know, this big question of, can you do it? But that running marathons caused me to follow through. And it caused me to look at habits as being a very successful component that, that you have to unite with your vision. If you have a vision, you've got to put a habit to the vision. Otherwise, you're never going to get there. And so to me, it's like the, the habits are the legs to any goal. 
And so when you think about building your practice, do you have the right habits in place, sales habits that will build your practice? Yes, be really good at what you do, but also be really good at selling it. So, you know, the, the marathon is like taking a training program and breaking it down 16 weeks of training for a marathon. And that means that you've got to go out and do it when you don't feel like it, you know, go for a run when you feel crappy or go for a run when you, um, you know, are sick or tired or getting through that and you just do it anyways, that sort of visceral connection to what it looks like to get it done helps you to become whatever it is that you're wanting to become. And what's great about that is that, you know, the training for such an event is not something that there's one specific way to do it. You know, people, people focus on different factors of, you know, how they run. And if they're going to, you know, they they go into these events at times with different goals. Like I want to go this event and I never want to walk. I want to do this event and I want to run the hills or I just want to beat the time from last time. But there's also the dash of creativity. I was training for one at one point and the game became, okay, so the long runs are where people tend to fall short. So, you know, the suddenly plans pop up with friends, but that's Sunday. I was planning on running Sunday. So I invested in like, you know, maybe uh, about a dozen or so half marathons <laughs> just to go, well, I've already paid for the damn event and I have to show up exactly. now because I've got this thing You're in the mail. Fine. So there's the accountability. Um, I think we, I think you and I have had this chat before that again, mm-hmm. it's finding those things that are similar in terms of their style that... Um, you know, help to motivate us in other ways that, you know, the phrase of where we are here is the way we are everywhere else. Um, You know, breaking Mm -hmm. past the clutter of an office and you're starting to realize that, oh, no wonder everything is kind of up in the air right now and I don't know how to manage it all. Instead of finding that one piece of balance and then branching out from there. um, do, Do you find there's a difference for you the days that uh, that you're running versus the days you're not running, the days that you're working on the business versus not working the business? Yeah. How do you bounce back and forth between that? I find that I do better when I'm actually training for mm-hmm. a marathon. <laughs> so it, it really puts me in a more disciplined mindset. And you would think, well, you can't do it all. And I do think that there is uh, truth to that in the sense that you can't have everything all at once. But having something that I'm working towards uh, physically, particularly the marathon, it, it just puts me in the right mindset. And it puts me in a mindset of achievement and follow through. And so, you know, if I go for a run in the morning at 530, and I come home, I already feel absolutely confident. And I'm going to step into my day that way. And I'm going to feel accomplished. And so it makes me it really puts me in that achiever mindset. Um, at least that's what works for me. And I would I would just really urge the people listening to find what works for them in that same Um, you know, that peak performance habit, for sure. It's like, what makes you perform at your peak? And it might be, I I just think physical exercise is so undervalued. People think that it's about maybe their health. And yes, that's a byproduct. Um, But I think that it really helps you to stay a focused and B, it it creates that that emotional turnover, where you might feel it be feeling kind of crappy, but you never come back from exercise feeling crappy, you always feel amazing. Uh, You never regret a workout. And I think that it just it helps you stay in a mindset where you feel good about yourself. And it creates a cycle that when you feel good in your body, you're going to feel good in your business. So it absolutely is the it's I think it's the keystone to success. 
And the the disclaimer to what I'm about to say is, of course, hold on to every bit of strategy that works for you. Uh, but in the time that yeah. I, I in the time that I got into strength training, the last four or five years, I've tripled my business, and I ah. draw I draw a lot of correlations <laughs> from one to the other. And I will say, yeah. getting out of running and going into strength training was a factor for that because there's no finish line. There's always the, you know, ah, yeah, we can keep true. going a little bit further. We can keep going a little bit further um, mm -hmm. to, to enjoy the journey getting there rather than I, I come back. And this is not meant to destroy your metaphor, <laughs> but I come back to good. yeah the, the end of a reality competition show. They announce the winner. The credits are already rolling. Right. Uh, but right. then again, it's I'm all, sure that, yeah. but, but to expand the metaphor, there's still the opportunity to then go, what am I going to do differently next time? What's the goal the next time I enter into a race? So there yeah. still is that continuation. There still is that improvement. How has, um, fr from the initial vision in terms of what you saw it as getting on stage and doing the presentation, how has that changed for you over the years? The more that let's say you've listen to your audience, you've listened to the feedback of agents, mm -hmm. or even just listen to yourself and your own approach as to how you think differently about it now? Oh my gosh, I have changed so much <laughs> when I think about just from the beginning, and it's been 20 years, it was 1998 that I did my first show, and I worked in all venues, I mean, from flares to corporate to military to media, uh, college, um, high schools, cruise lines. You know, I I love the entertainment aspect. I think that it really opens people's eyes. And I think that as, as stage hypnotists, we are so important to hypnosis as a viable methodology that people can use. Because we, if we're if it's done the right way, we really are making such a huge impact in how people view hypnosis. And it makes them say, what else? What more? How could I use that in my life to make changes? Um, for me personally, I have used hypnosis in every aspect uh, as I've gone through this 20-year career. I, I do practice what I preach. Uh, I've used it even as little as helping cramps, you know, in the middle of a marathon where I've done self-hypnosis to relieve cramps, and it happens in less than two minutes, I can make a cramp go away, um, to overcoming my own, you know, weight struggles, the last 40 pounds and maintained it. Um, but as far as career paths, I absolutely have fallen in love with personal development. I love seeing the change happen for people. And to be a facilitator of someone else's uh, transformation, I think, is just the biggest honor. And no matter – that is what I'm driven to do at this point. I love – you know, I – of course, we call it peak performance. Uh, I think that there's so many different, just like you said, in different ways of training, different ways of presenting peak performance. But that's truly what I'm the niche that I love the most is just helping people that are already excited about their life to make it to help facilitate their goals is my number one focus at this point. So um, if that is entertaining, then I still want to do that. Um, <laughs> but I'm not after just the entertainment portion anymore. I love the coaching aspect. And, uh, and that's what I'm looking at as I continue my career and, and allow it to change and rebrand. Um, I, I'm looking more towards the uh, peak performance audience. Yeah. How, how is it you're going about making some of that transition? Is it, I'm sure there's a change Ooh. in marketing, but there's also a change. Completely. Is there a change in the persona, the stage performance side of it? The, yes. Yeah. And if it's not, then please, you guys, with your feedback, give it to me. But in my head right now, <laughs> all of those things need to, need to change. You know how it is. Like your own perspective is how it is. So I invite perspective all the time uh, in, in this rebranding. But I do think that 
Uh, I really, for me, I needed to change my brand, you know, for a long time I was hypnotic and that was great and fun. And, and, you know, uh, there, it, she had her own persona. Uh, but as I worked into more of the corporate field, I felt like hypnotic was, was limiting me. And so I, I've moved into, um, I just, for me, it's about being taken more seriously. And because I feel like people miss the wonderful, amazing uh, strategies if they are looking at a brand in the wrong perception. And so now as I've moved into, I think everything needs to change. I think that uh, the, the audiences that you position yourself in front of, um, the networks that you're choosing to be a part of that, you know, to ex- really challenge your own growth and, and look at yourself differently. I think identity and how we view ourselves in, as business people, uh, Keep, keep pushing that. Keep looking at yourself differently and challenging how you can look at yourself differently and how you can use uh, what you, your skill set to bring value to new industries. So uh, what I'm doing personally is I've rebranded. I've um, joined different networks, uh, you know, hanging in different crowds uh, and, and opened myself up to really learning again. I almost feel like I'm starting over after 20 years, mm-hmm. but I think that's fun. You know, I think it's fun and I think that it keeps like new juices coming in and you get excited about new things and, uh, and it's okay to shift and change. If we look at the music industry and our, some of our biggest, you know, um, music artists, they're coming out with a new album in every, you know, couple of three, a couple of years or three years, they go off of their big hit and they go out and do their concerts, and then they come back with something totally new and totally different, even though it's the same thing. It's like Mexican food. It's all the same ingredients, but how you <laughs> prepare it, <laughs> you know, you're repackaging it. So it's like, oh, this is a new dish. And I think, you know, the music industry has shown us how to do that, and we can certainly do that as well in our uh, hypnosis careers. Have you looked at it as a willingness to let go of some parts of your market oh or, or the ability to just keep scaling up and adding to it? What's, what's kind of your approach to that? Well, how did you know that I just read that book, Letting Go by David Hawkins, PhD? Oh, uh, good timing. <laughs> that's an amazing book for anyone to read, by the way, in our business. Uh, I, it is a huge amount of letting go. Uh, and I think that's really, um, that's really difficult and, and challenging. And I've honestly, I've used hypnosis to help me uh, let go of old vision and allow new ones to come in. So the letting go, I think, is uh, absolutely a part of the process. It's you know, it's just like like our harvesting our fields. We seed, we cultivate, and then we harvest, and then that that whole thing starts over again. So uh, you know, as we move, as I personally move forward, it is a matter of uh, allowing the old stuff to be the old stuff and being okay with people, you know, I have a lot of audiences that will go, Oh, I missed this. Or I, I missed this part of your show or I miss, but you know, I'm over that. I'm already moving on to something else. So um, I, I think that we have to be the leaders of our, our vision and do what makes us happy. I have found myself where I, I can put myself in a corner if I am trying to create what I think other people want, opposed to creating what lights my soul up. And I want to stay in that space of what lights me up. And um, I feel like I can be the most creative and the most valuable in that space. Well, it's that discovery that, you know, what got us started is not always what keeps us growing. 
that th- there's there, there yeah. is that moment to you know whether it's to you know subcontract something out or just let a specific market you know just kind of fall away but to look at this is what i'm focused on right now this is that i mean you're exactly right about bringing in the the correlation to to musicians that you're seeing what they're currently performing, what they're touring with. And there, there's a balance one time. I forget the article, but it was someone who was a uh, performer writing about the fact that he goes, there's benefit in performing the same old songs because that's what they mm-hmm. bought the tickets for. But also it's helping them relive what they were going through when they first heard that music. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they're interested in me and this is what I'm working on right now. Then again, mm-hmm think of the concert where suddenly the entire audience is sitting with just waiting uh <laughs> so there's a balance oh my to gosh. yeah there is i i watched i opened for chubby checker at one of the state fairs and i watched him do the twist for an hour his entire show was nice the twist and then the second part was let's twist again um so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like how long for how long can you actually sit and watch the twist um, but you know, yeah. I mean, I think that our they they do. They your audiences that love you will love what you do, but they also want to know what's next and what's mm-hmm. fresh. And so we've got to keep evolving like that. This may just be a legend now, but it's uh, my parents who, in concert, saw Bobby Boris Pickett, who, of course, was the singer of the Monster Mash. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Halloween show <laughs> I, in Halloween show in Reno, Nevada. He opens with the wow. Monster Mash. Opens with it. And the joke yeah. was, he just stood there for 10 seconds in silence and went, yeah, what else am I going to do? Well, <laughs> I'm now going to sing some of my favorite songs. And because you only came here for one thing, I'm also going to close with Monster Mash. And the audience Monster burst into Mash. applause. <laughs> Gave them what they wanted. You know, the same That's as awesome. there's, you know, in terms of your presentations, I mean, doing stage hypnosis. Uh, mm-hmm. Curious to ask if your approach has been, you know, there's the... There's the school of thought that says all original material. There's the one that says modify some of the classics for yourself. What are some of those mm-hmm. standards that would you say are part of your program? Definitely modifying and then coming up with my own. When I when I feel the, the heyday, I think, of my entertainment show has been where I always uh, have come up with my own creative stuff. So one of the things that we really loved in the fair industry in particular was the ability to do eight different shows. Yes. And that meant that people that come back to the fair, they're going to see a completely different show with completely different material. I, I think it's, I think one of the things hypnotists get hung up on is like, well, it's a different show because there's different people. No, it's not. No, <laughs> no yeah. it's not. Uh, so, you know, I think being able to think on your I got away with saying that for two years. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but it's not true. It's not true. Uh, we, at the time when we came up with a lot of our fair shows, my husband was in the travel industry. And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we took them on an imagination vacation and we took them to different destinations? So we themed all of our shows from a different destination. So they had the Mexican Fiesta and then they went to Hollywood. And so they were all different shows. We had New York, New York, which Donald Trump used to be the uh, highlight of the New York show. <laughs> uh, so, and he'd go around firing people, uh, which is, it was really fun. But I think that being creative and coming up with your, your own stuff is great. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, sort of borrowing from an idea, but then going your own way with it uh, is, is a way of just, uh, you know, expressing your own, your own creativity and uh, taking, making it your own. I think that's, I think it's a really important thing as a stage hypnotist. You don't want to be doing what everybody else is doing. 
So, you know, and I actually uh, saw hypnotists where they took my show and, and <laughs> my show, which I thought was funny because I was the hypno chick and it would be, you know, a guy trying to be the hypno chick, which doesn't work. You just need to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Be, be you, <laughs> be you and come up with your own material. And I, and yeah, segue, segue from, you know, some classics, but make them your own. So before we jumped on, we were chatting briefly, and the the theme of power versus force was something I wanted to come back to. Uh, Chat with me about that. Gosh, you know, I think that when, so power versus force. So power is when you are stepping into that space inside of you that you feel just like when you're hypnotized and you feel that free space. And I know everybody knows what I'm talking about because every hypnotist should know how to do their own self-hypnosis, right? And so when you're in that space, you feel so free and so connected to your own abilities and everything else that is in your realm of potential. And so that is your power versus when you are forcing yourself to um, push towards a goal and you're doing what the the outside world tells you you need to do. And there's a balance with that because obviously when I listen to experts in their industry, maybe in marketing or sales or whatnot, we want to learn and grow. But at the same time, when we force ourselves to do things, we we honestly create a lot of anxiety uh, within ourselves. And so when you just, when you come back and check in with your goals and your why for having those goals, you'll stay in your power. When you are feeling forced to create your goals, like I have to make it happen, I'm going to hustle, all the words that I see that are so trendy these days, um, you know, you can, you can lose your heart in your hustle. And so if you're going to hustle, do it with heart, right? So you stay, stay in that space of your own creative freedom and, uh, and you'll feel powerful versus forcing yourself every day to make things go happen and com- comparing yourself to what the outside world's doing. Yeah. Is there a specific example that comes to mind in terms of how you've applied that to yourself? Absolutely. Uh, when, when I spend too much time on social media, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking out at what other people are doing and I suddenly feel uh, I can put myself in a space of lack or scarcity. Like I've got to keep up. Or I've got to, um, you know, and it can happen in fitness, you know, our, our own clients that come to us for weight loss and they go on and they compare somebody else's weight loss to their own. And, um, you know, we start going into that comparison mindset and it takes us away from what we value inside ourselves. And so I think one of the most important things that I do for my clients and I do for myself is I have them write out a list of their own values. And I, and the question is, Based on what you have overcome, what have you now come to value most in your life? And so it's a way of leveraging their struggles into now their strengths and for myself as well. And then I write out this list of you know, values and I come back to that on a daily basis. This is why I'm doing this. So if I have a huge workload, I want to come back to remembering my why. Otherwise, what is the point? What I'm just going to end up feeling overworked and exhausted. But when I keep staying in my why, it keeps me out of comparison and it keeps me in my flow of what makes me happy. So I run, I uh, work smart, I ding ding, I, <laughs> I work smart, I stay in my time management skills and I stay in my vision. So that's a, an example to me of power versus force. 
Well, I think that one of the takeaways inside of that is working with intention, that it's, yes, it's with purpose. Yes, it it's, it's moving towards a specific outcome rather than, you know, looking at people who are doing social media for their business because, quote, they're supposed to, as opposed to there's a specific message they're looking to put out there. There's a reason that they're putting out that specific story. Um, mm -hmm. What I also love, and just a highlight here, and part of why we're having this conversation, is that I meet a lot of people who would often look at you know what they're currently doing and it becomes the game of well how do i play the the reputation management game in some way of you know erasing over what was there before when some of the credits that you've had i mean you were there on stage you know not being the the norm as to what would be there in that environment at these uh, at these bases and to yeah. to to exceed to succeed in that format and then now leverage that into everything else so to embrace that is part of the story, and this is why I'm now doing this. Yes. Leverage, leverage, leverage. <laughs> That's yeah. such an important word because you've got to keep building on what, you know, where you've come from and use that. It, there's, there's always some creative way that you'll use a skill set in a totally different way. And so, you know, being willing to step over even when you feel like you don't know what you're doing or you feel scared or, you know, you, you're not sure of the exact steps. I love Martin Luther King's uh, quote that says, you don't need to see the whole staircase, just the first step. Uh, just stepping into that, into the you know, next evolution of, of what it will become. Was at a client in the office a couple of days ago that the whole one one of the aspects of the change was that oh and I want to go to the gym more the gym is at work it's really easy I just need to show up a little earlier I already shower at work because we've already got this whole physical thing that we're doing which makes us you know just just part of the schedule and she's in the office cracking up going I just had to show up I just had to go that's all it took it's so easy <laughs> yes yes I love that leveraging the habits that are already there. Exactly. I mean, if we just kind of take that model and apply it to our business, we really could get a lot further than than uh, than we think we can. <laughs> so there's been there's a, been a theme of again leveraging, but also scaling up further. Um, mm -hmm. If you had to kind of bring it all back to one or two strategies to to give a recommendation or even a, a suggestion to these communities, the people who are kind of doing the same thing day in day out. How would you encourage that thinking to be slightly different if they did have the goal of expanding it uh, upwards and outwards? So if they did have the goal, I think that is the key word there is yes. that person has to want, has to have a goal. If, if they are stuck in the every day is the same mentality, then they're missing putting a new goal out there. And so I think you hit it right there on the head is that you just ha keep having a new vision, a new goal for yourself and allow your dreams to change. My dreams are way different now than they were in the beginning. And, you know, I just, I think it's being okay with allowing yourself to ebb and flow with what you've learned over, you know, the course of your business activity. You're going to find that as you're doing something, maybe there's some things that you really love and other things you hate, and you shouldn't keep doing them if you don't like them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you... I mean, for a while there, I did stop smoking seminars, and it, it, it was wonderful. It worked well, and I did it uh, in um, connection with the fairs. And it, at one point, we were actually able to work with the health and human, uh, California Department of Health and Human Services. So our, we got sponsored. We got sponsorship dollars from California Health and uh, Human Services for our fair shows. And so the fairs loved it because then they didn't have to come up with as much money, um, you know, to, to meet our fee. And so... 
that that worked for a while. It was really amazing. And we'd have hundreds of people show up at the fair to quit smoking. What an odd thing. Um, but then after a while, I just didn't want to do stop smoking seminars anymore. I just like, that's not my, it doesn't light me up. You know, I, I'm excited for them, for the people that quit, but it doesn't light me up. And so what does light me up? And so making sure that your goal, that A, you have a goal and B, it's a goal that is worthy of you. Absolutely. So uh, in terms of leveraging it all moving forward, what are some of those uh, daily rituals, daily strategies that you're using to keep yourself accountable? Well, I think any of us, first and foremost, business needs to mm-hmm. be business. Yes. I, I feel like one of the areas that I really struggled with for so long was my therapeutic mind. I love being the facilitator of someone's change and growth. But I had found myself getting so caught up in the rewards of that that I for would forget that it's a business. I never had that issue when it came to stage and my speaking fees and presentations. I always was I was always great charging for my fees. But when it came to coaching, that was something that I really needed to learn that it still that it is a business. And so when it comes to your business habits, I think your your physical habits. You need to have a keystone habit for your physical habits, a keystone habit for your business habits, and, you know, and probably for your relationships as well and spirituality and these different major categories of your life. But when it comes to business, what are the habits that will get you to really growing your business? Because let's face it, you, success is all facets, which includes money. You, you cannot just be a successful therapist and have all these wonderful testimonials without really growing your revenue as well. Like that is an aspect, an expression of success. So I think having a business mind is really, really important. And I would encourage people to go outside of just hypnotherapy and like what you're doing. I think you have really just furthered the hypnosis industry in so many fabulous ways. And I commend you for that because that didn't exist 20 years ago. You know, there was all the education in hypnosis, but but thinking of it as a business, it really was such a small part of who we were as hypnotists. So I commend you for all that you've done in helping people grow their businesses. But I would say, look at your business habits and do they equate to, you know, your financial goals? Well, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, where can people find out more about you and your work online? Oh, go to my website. You can either, there's two ways of getting there. Either wakeupyourbest.com, if you like that little slogan, wake up your best, easy to remember, or deannanunez.com. Excellent. One That's of the, fa- I'm sorry, I was just going to share oh, go one ahead. of the uh, little, the free, free guides that I love to give out to help people to just really be able to leverage their subconscious assets is my goal getters action guide. And it's free. It's on my website at deannanunez.com. Well, great. We'll actually uh, put uh, specific links to that over in the show notes over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. And uh, Deanna, it's been awesome having you on here. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed our time together. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for sharing your reviews online, posting this on your social media streams. And also, once again, head over to hypnosistraininginstitute.org. That's where you can get the direct access to register for the February Winter Convention in Las Vegas. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.